Welcome to this edition of the Women's Retail Collective. Today, I'm excited to introduce you all to the Chief Strategic Retail Officer at Fanatics, Gina Springer. Gina, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you. Thank you for having me. Um, how are How are you doing? We're like we're recording this in the midst of like holiday. It's going crazy. I mean, what's happening right now at Fanatics? Are you Are you holding on? Are you staying alive? Well, absolutely. I think um, you know our business has been very very strong. You know, fandom is an interesting thing, even through COVID. Um, you know, when we, even when sports weren't on the field, we were like, oh my gosh, what is this going to mean? But fandom is an interesting thing. Yeah. And our business um, was so strong during COVID, uh, continues to be very strong. Our fans are excited. It's fun. It's a fun business too, because every, you know, I guess I'll use every Sunday, every Monday you come in and you're evaluating who were the players yesterday, what were the games, uh, but business is strong. And you and I spoke a few minutes ago, you know, there's, we're, we're facing all the challenges that the retail world is facing right. in terms of um, supply chain. Although we're in pretty good shape, we're in okay. pretty good shape, I would say across the board. Um, and one of my responsibilities includes our venues and each um, team store uh, in, in um, several of our venues. And the staffing part has definitely been a challenge. And our folks yeah. on the have been amazing, doing more with less, prioritizing what has to be done at the same time, navigating this craziness. Um, we all thought, I'm sure you've experienced this, that post-COVID, uh, people would be, it'd be easy to get people back. Um, it's not happened that way. Right. Uh, so we've all had to just re rethink the way we're going at it. Uh, but it's been great. It's been a great 2022, 2021. Oh my God. We're planning 2022. Yes. We're all, we're already there. We're just skipping yeah, ahead. So let's go, true. let's go to 2022. I, I, I agree. But a great, uh, a really a great year. And as I mentioned, fandom is such a yeah, I've been with Fanatics five years, and I've always been a sports fan. Okay. Um, but fandom and the the psychology of fandom is so so interesting, and it's it's kind of fun as part of what we do. Well, we I definitely want to dive into kind of how you came to Fanatics, but I'd love to start at the beginning, Gina. What was I have to ask this, but what was your first job in retail? Like, how did you get into this retail? Because you've been in retail for a while. What kind of sparked that interest initially? Um, you, you'll kind of laugh. My first job, I really wanted to start working. I babysat for a long time and I was so tired of babysitting and I wanted to get a real job, but okay. I was only 14. And I went to, I, li- I was uh, born and raised in Duluth, Minnesota, small, small town in, in uh, oh, Minnesota. Sure. And um, there was a department store there and I went in there and I asked for a job and they said, oh my gosh, you're, you're just too young. At 14? They, yes, I was 14, oh, but good for elevator. You. they had a manual elevator and they said, we'll, we'll let you do this a couple of days a week. So, you know, I, I got on board and just before I was 16, they said, hey, if you want to work on the sales floor, and that is really how I started in retail. And literally I have been doing retail since then, um, in some capacity or another. Oh my gosh. That is awesome. I love that story. I love that you had the hustle at 14, like babysitting. We're done. We're going right into the job market. What was the department store? It was called Oryx. It it isn't there anymore. It was was interesting because it really catered to older clientele, um, a little bit of a 
um, highbrow kind of place. Yeah. Um, they so have an it, elevator operator. I have to imagine that they're, yeah. It was great because on Saturdays, I worked Monday nights and Saturdays. I remember it so well. And on Saturdays, they let me go in between floors so I could study. If And then as soon as a customer would ring, I'd have to go get them, but I could be in between floors studying. Um, so it actually worked out perfectly. Oh my gosh, Gina, this should be, a, we need a movie of this. <laughs> like I'm just picturing you in my head, like, you know, between floors with your books open it's and trying to get stuff done. Well, then, then where did you go from there? So um, I went then to another department store during college that I okay. worked to help pay for things. I was still in Duluth um, called the glass block. And when I graduated, um, they offered me a, a position as the uh, buyer trainee manager trainee. And, you know, I was like, I don't know, but I thought I'll, I'll give it a shot. Okay. And they then um, had asked me to move to Montana to wow. run, yeah, to be part of a, a store. And I didn't want to move to Montana. So I decided that that was a good time to start looking for something in Minneapolis. And I connected with Target, where I have spent the majority of my career. I spent 25 years at Target. So I, I went to Target as kind of, um, and, and had various positions in 25 years. And it was an amazing, amazing experience. Lots of different, um, lots of different experiences. Um, and really, it was the foundation of my retail life, for sure. Right. Well, I'm curious, you know, we hear that often. One of the reasons I wanted to do this show, Gina, was because I think that a lot of people, you know, when they think about a career in retail, they think about going into, I'm either going to be a buyer or I'm going to go into like visual merchandising. Like those are my options. And there's so much going on in technology and retail and e-commerce and all these other extensions that I feel like are, are, have come up. Um, and there's so much opportunity in this industry. Did you feel, you know, as you, you know, made that decision to go to Target versus like going to Montana, did you feel like you had a lot of opportunity at that time? Or was it kind of like, these are the options and how has that changed over the course you know, of your career? I think there were a lot of opportunities at the time, but it felt like it was either like managing a store or, okay. um, and I really wanted to get it. And, you know, it's funny because the thing I love about retail and love about all of my positions is um, with every job I've had, every company I've been with, it's really been about the customer, the fan, the guest at Target. And so for me, I, I didn't, I didn't want to um, just be part of managing a department. I wanted something more. And I was also kind of mathematically inclined. And so I was kind of, I felt like going into buying or something like that would let me do something with the analytics and the data, as well as, you know, there's, it's an art and a science. You hear that a million times. I think that's really true. But I liked the idea of using some data and um, really understanding um, the numbers in, in, in addition to just kind of managing. And I'm not minimizing managing a department. I'm, you know, right now, my responsibility is um, I, I'm responsible for both merchandising and operations. And so the way you bring it together. But for me, Target really was the most intriguing because. I also knew Target. I knew about the brand. I shopped the brand. Um, I, I, I always feel, and I tell my children this, you know, work for some place that you're proud of, that you feel like you can make an impact, but you're proud to be a part of, um, that you understand what their mission, what their brand is. And Target was all of that from the day that I even interviewed there. So that felt like 
the best fit for what I wanted at the time. And clearly um, it was the right decision for my career, for sure. Did you have a favorite position that you held at Target? That's a really good question. Um, I, I think my favorite position was probably the last position I had, which was the, um, the head of the home area. And the reason I loved it is um, we worked together. We had a big team. I had come from soft lines and I had learned so much from what Trish Adams and the soft lines team had done about branding and positioning. And I was able to bring that over to the home areas and um, bringing the team along, you know, learning from the team, but but making a lot of change and making decisions that I felt were reinforcing of the Target brand. That was probably my favorite and and watching the evolution of home. Well, and we're not talking just like home for like one division. You ran all of home for all of the Target stores, right? I did. I did. It it was great. And you you hate to say because obviously a team does it, but yes, that was, that was something I was responsible for. And, um, it was, uh, it was one of the best experiences, but I will tell you, you know, as I sit and think about my career at Target and really my career, every single job has made some kind of impact for me um, in my learning to get me ready for the next thing and the next thing, even jobs, honestly, and that I remember one specific area they had asked me to move to at Target, and I really didn't want to do it. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. And, and I did it for lots of reasons. Part yeah. of it is I think it's always good to challenge yourself and, and keep learning. Um, but I got so much out of that too. So every job has, has benefited my career, me personally in some way. Well, and what, now I want to go on to the job that you're in right now. Cause you, did you leave Target and go to Fanatics? No, what was I, the like next few phases? I went to, after I left Target, I went to a very small company in, in Minneapolis. It was the old Finger Hut. Okay. We were called Blue Stem Brands. And they were looking for somebody to come in and really help develop their merchandising team. And for me, what was so great about that was I went from huge company, lots of resources, lots of support to really building something kind of from scratch. Okay. And it was interesting because at the time they said, we just don't know if somebody from Target could really do this because you don't have the resources, you don't have, you know, maybe all of the support. And I said, that's exactly why I want to do this. I okay. want to build, I want to build what I think it needs. Um, I want to be a part of building something from kind of, you know, nascency to, to, um, to something that would be um, what the company really needed. And it was honestly, it was a great experience. It, it's, it was hard for the reasons I mentioned, the resources weren't there. Um, there were a lot of people, it was an interesting company because we were a company, we were a retail company, but we were also a credit company. We gave credit to people that had a hard time getting credit and we gave credit so they could buy the merchandise from Finger Hut. Um, and so, um, it was just a very different job. And for me, it was about building something new, but learning something entirely different, you know, about the credit world and these, these customers that needed something different. And, and you kind of felt like you were adding value to people that wouldn't be able to shop somewhere else. Right. And so for me, it was about making sure that they had could get access to the same product you could get at Target. You could get it somewhere else that they shouldn't have uh, less quality or that they should have a, a lower brand of electronic. Mm-hmm. 
how did they get what any other customer would want? And so it was a great challenge and it was, it was really interesting job. And I got here, you know, I'm a Minnesota girl and um, I really had no intention of leaving Minnesota and fanatics um, had been reaching out and I had been talking to the president and I really, really liked him. I liked the vision. I liked what I was hearing about what the growth could be at fanatics um, but and tell I our listeners saying, what, like about fanatics, just for okay. people don't have fanatics a background is, yet. is, um, we, we cater to the sports fan. We want to be everything. We're the brand of the fan is what we say. We want to give our fans what they want. And so we have uh, obviously a massive e-commerce, um, massive e-commerce business. We also run, um, venues at, at 50 stadiums in the, in the U S um, we also do global, global e-commerce and global venues. And we run events like the Kentucky Derby, MLB All-Star Game. Those are all things that Fanatics does. So um, my husband was the one. He said, listen, our kids, I, I think our kids were still in college. He could work from anywhere. And he said, let's have an adventure. You're so intrigued by this company. You keep talking yeah. to them. And we came and visited Florida and we are Florida people. We had never been to Jacksonville, but, um, and we came to visit and I sent my husband, I was sitting at the beach um, after an interview with a glass of wine. And I sent my picture husband. He said, oh my God, I know we're moving now. I can just see it. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I came here five years ago um, and I started out exclusively in e-com and I was responsible for the merchandising of e-com for the NCAA, the college business, and then all of the hard goods business. And we call hard goods anything that's really not apparel. Okay. So footwear, um, balls, um, whatever, you know, yes. earrings, whatever is not apparel. So, um, and then about almost two years ago, I moved to this role, which is the, the um, in chief strategic retail officer, which is running all of our venues and events both the merchandising side and the operations side. And again, you know, operations is not something I knew. So when they talked to me and they said, we'd really like to have one leader right. running all of retail. I'm like, oh, I don't, I'm not sure I know that much about operations, but you know what? I've never done this before. This is good. And it's been, it's been a terrific, um, a, a terrific position. Now we, we went into COVID last year, right. You know, pretty much, few months after I got the job and I spent a lot of time, unfortunately, um, you know, looking at how do we streamline staff? How do we, um, you know, how do we get, how do we keep our teams busy on doing some protocol work, some other work with our partners? I spent more time in e-com than during that time. Um, but putting the groups together has been great because there's something really good about having the operations and the merchants understanding each other. Right. Our goals are exactly the same. And so to learn from each other and share um, what would work, what the challenges are, it's been a really a terrific experience for sure. Well, and I think we're starting to see that more and more that these retail teams that once were siloed stores or online, like they have to come together now in this world that this omni-channel world that we're all working and living in and trying and supply chain and getting the products to both of those, to those so people true. wherever they're buying them. Um, Gina, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned in this, this evolution of your career, there's been a lot of times where you've taken roles that you maybe weren't sure about. And I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who 
you know, whether they're sitting in a, in a corporate job at a large retailer and they're trying to make the decision, do I, you know, go and work for the startup? Everything's comfy and cozy here at the retailer. Is it, is that something I should do? What do you, I guess, I, I feel like I know what your advice would be, but what would you say to people who like, what should they be thinking about as they're trying to make that decision? Cause it is a big one. And, you know, going to the startup is not for everybody going to the corporate office is not for everybody either, but what kind of things did you use to evaluate and make that decision? Yeah, I think, you know, it's such an individual thing. And, you know, it's funny, I have two children out of college and we talk a lot about careers. And I, I've got a big thing. I always tell people here too, careers are marathons, not sprints. But I think a big thing is what, what excites you? What, what is something that's you're inspired about, you're passionate about? I, I think, you know, one of the advice pieces of advice I give to, to everybody, my kids included is try to find something that you're really, really passionate and excited about, because it will show in the way you work. It right. will show in the way you try to constantly make things better and you will be a happier person. So I think one of the things is what, what kind of work is the work that you think will really, really excite you, will really um, you know, keep you inspired, will keep you excited every day. And I'm also big on the company and what you think some of the opportunity and potential is. And it isn't always about the position. Um, You know, when I came to Fanatics, now, listen, when I came to Fanatics, a lot of people were like, what's Fanatics? That's Fanatics. In the last few years, it's really evolved. And, you know, we're getting bigger. And, um, but what is it? What is it? What I loved about it was I didn't honestly care. And I was at a different place in my career that not everybody knew what it was. But I did enough research to say, this, this is something special. This can continue to grow and be something special. And for me, being a part of something that had potential to grow and had potential to impact more people was something really important to me. But I think it's all about individual passion. For some people, they don't want to be part of a bigger company. They want to be in a smaller company where they make a different kind of impact or they're passionate about the mission. So I'm all about what, what's your passion? And I, I think it's important to really know about the company that you're going to. And if you care about things like what can the company be, what, what's the potential to really um, understand that. And those are the things that were really important for me. Even the decision at Target, it was, it was an easy decision for sure, because everybody knew Target and I knew that it would continue to grow and it would also be good for my career. But all that's always been really important to me. What can it be? What can it be? Not necessarily what is it right at this moment, but what can it be? Right. And what better time than now? I think there's so many people out there kind of reevaluating what, where their passions lie, what their, what their next career move is going to be. And I think that's excellent advice. You have to really consider the potential of the, the whole ecosystem around the career, not just, you know, it's this position at this company. For sure. And I think, again, it's so important because that's such an individual decision. What, what would get me excited might not get you excited. And, and, um, you know, I, I find it so interesting with my two children who are very different in what they're looking for. And so every discussion I have with them and any mentoring I do here, it's really about the individual and it can't be, Hey, I, I often, I love to mentor, but sometimes I'm hesitant 
to give too much advice to people because it's this is my journey and my story. And the other thing I always tell people is don't look at other people's careers because people move faster or slower. You know, different jobs require different things. I remember I had a boss at one time who compared me to somebody else mm. at work. And I remember thinking, gosh, why would you do that? I mean, our journeys are different. And so I'm always so hesitant when I talk to people because everybody's journeys are so different. Right. Um, and I think to not compare yourself to other people and the timing and the things that they're interested in, care about what you're interested in. I, I love that advice. I think that's excellent, Gina. Um, and I think a lot of people are just fine getting as much advice, especially for this <laughs> podcast as you're willing to give today. Um, Gina, I just want to uh, wrap up with one question. And that is, as you look back on your career and all the twists and turns it's taken, what, if you could write a thank you note to somebody hmm. for the impact that they had on your career, if, is there anybody, one person that stands out that you would write that thank you note to? And what do you think you would say to them? Yeah, you know, I'm going to cheat and maybe give you two, one personal and one professional. And I'm going to start with, and it's a little bit corny, but I'm going to do it because it's real. Um, my mom was born and raised in Italy. And when they moved here, she was a stay at home mom, um, raised five kids quickly, boom, boom, boom. Um, didn't speak a word of English when she moved here. And I remember working at Target and um, things were going well in my career, but I also am very passionate about being a great mom. Yeah. Um, and I remember talking to her and saying, mom, I don't know, you know, I've got a, an opportunity to move on at Target. Um, but I, I just worried about what gives. And my mom, who never worked outside of the house, but worked her butt off inside the house, said, yeah. Gina, Gina, why do you think you have to limit yourself? I'll never forget it because it's advice I carry today to other people. She said, you can do whatever you set your mind to. You, you can do both of those things really, really well. And I'll tell you, that's a piece of advice that has stuck with me my whole life and how I prioritize my life. And, and sometimes work is here and sometimes family, you know, it, it's just how you work this through. But what I like about that advice, and I use it a lot today, um, especially for women as they're coming up, mm -hmm. is don't, I tell women, I, I'm part of a women's group here at Fanatics. And I say, don't get in your own way. Don't get so caught up in well, women don't do that, or women, we don't see women rising to that. Don't get in your own way. Don't buy into that. Um, and I think that came from my mom's advice. Hmm. You can do both. And listen, I'm not saying that everybody gets exactly what they want, or every woman feels they're treated fairly. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is don't get in your own way. I love that. I think so that's so important too, for women to hear, like, it doesn't have to be career or mom. It can be both. And you can do well at both, you know, sometimes not on the same day, you're not at a hundred and both <laughs> spots, but, but you can do it. And I, I thank you for giving that advice. Yeah. I think it's so much about how you prioritize things. You know, you can't do everything every day perfectly. What do you need to do every day perfectly on that given day? What's on your to-do list at work that you have to give hundred percent and do perfectly. Um, and then when it comes to things and planning for your kids, how do you, how do you go? And I think sometimes, honestly, Anne, working parents, because they have to really navigate that 
are so focused on doing both well. So mm-hmm. it's just it's just a whole different thing. But that would be one. And then I have to say, as you asked that question, it was it was later in my career, but um, the working at Target, um, the clear vision that Target had on who the guest was and who we wanted to be. And, you know, Bob Alrick was the CEO at the time. And yeah. he was he was an amazing leader because his vision was crystal clear. Mm-hmm. His expectations were clear and they right. were high. Um, but if you, I remember so well, um, you know, making some branding mistakes, going too high on, on trying to build some brands and um, having a meeting with him and said, hey, you know, here's what happened. He said, listen, what? You, you, yep. Okay. You went a little too far. You learned, you learned, but you were so true to the brand. And so this whole, how that impacted me is we should take some risks, right? You should take smart risks, not risks that are going to you know, blow something up, but trying new things, taking risks, and then quickly pivoting and learning from them. Um, but his clear vision and his his ability to stay the course. And even when you made a mistake, okay, you made a mistake. What did you learn? Don't make it again. Don't make it again. Those are lessons that have really stuck with, with me. Clear vision, clear branding, trying new things, not being afraid to take some risks, push the status quo a little, and then adapting what you need to adapt if things didn't work or needed to work differently. Gina Springer, this has been an excellent time. Thank you so much for sharing all of your advice, your career story with us. We so appreciate you. And, um, if people want to follow fanatics, they want to follow your work. Where's the best place for them to do that? Well, I, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of new stuff happening at fanatics. So if you Google fanatics right now, there's a lot of new businesses we're getting into. So you, you'd probably get a lot out of that. Okay. Um, We have a amazing leadership here too, which is one of the reasons that brought me here. Amazing leadership, clear vision of being the brand for the fans. Um, And um, I think if you did any Googling and then, Hey, shop fanatics, you'll find all of the, all of the product you like for your favorite teams. Excellent. Thank you so much. That was Gina Springer, the Chief Strategic Retail Officer at Fanatics. Thank you, Anne. It was so great talking to you. If you could hold your own concert with three bands, dead or alive, Gina, who are you having at that concert? Oh, wow. Okay. Eric Church. Love Eric Church. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'm an Eric Church groupie. I what are you, what are those called? What are, what are you called as an Eric Church groupie? Oh, Is there like a... Oh, the church choir. We're the church choir. The church choir. Yes, I'm, I'm a member of the church choir too. As a matter of fact, I was just at a concert in uh, Atlanta and we're going to Greenville in a couple of weeks. I know, I'm a total groupie. Um, oh my Ro- gosh. Rolling Stones, totally different. Yes. Um, Rolling Stones, for sure, have seen several concerts of the Rolling Stones. And I, I think it truly is the best concerts I've I've ever been to, even now. And yeah. I get some kick out of like Mick and what he can do and how, anyways, my third one would probably be, well, Dead or Alive, The Beatles, for sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah, for you sure. gotta, it's like, you gotta have, you've got some good icons in there. I love yeah. the Eric Church edition. Oh, um, yeah. That is perfect. <laughs> <laughs>